to catch his villains Or just like flies Or look out They go Spider-Man This is episode 596 for February 2020 And you're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast And I'm your host, Brad Douglas That opening song is by the Jason Alexander Oh, not Jason Justin Alexander Trio uh, the other one's on Seinfeld. But Justin Alexander Trio up on YouTube. Check them out. They do a great cover of the Spider-Man theme song. I really dig it. it sounds really good. Before we get there, I want to... Uh, before we get to our episode, I want to thank members on Patreon who make episodes like this possible. So a big thank you goes out to Jonathan, Robert, uh, Zach, Mohammed, uh, Joshua, Alex, Frazetta Hulk, David, Laura, Venkman... Eric, Dowd, Thomas, Ricky, Michael2099, Craig, Christopher, Patrick, Andrew, Michael K, Hafskimo, Bob, JB, John, Datboy, Stuart, AJ, Jay, Chris, Scott, Kian, Nick, Taylor, Will, Symbiobro, hashtag something good for you, Frederick, and Steven. If you would like to support things you like, like this podcast, uh, log on to patreon.com slash crawlspace. We have a new goal that we would like to reach. And if we hit it, we will record a DVD-type audio commentary of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 3. So uh, Patreon members of every level will be able to hear that if we hit our goal. Also, every month you'll hear a Spider-Satellite-exclusive podcast on Patreon. And you get episodes two weeks early. You get also uh, video, podcast, etc. Lots of perks for being a member and helping me pay the bills, which uh, come in each and every month. So, one more time. Log on to patreon.com slash crawlspace. All right, we have a nice interview with Matt Singer, who wrote a very cool Spider-Man book. So let's take a listen. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to uh, the special episode. We're interviewing Matt Singer. He's the author of Spider-Man, From Amazing to Spectacular, two of my favorite spider titles. So, Matt, thanks for being on the Crawl Space. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell me about this This is a huge book that you've written. This is the cover of it. Yeah. What, yeah. What, when you hold way. it up without the actual book, it looks like I just oh. made a cover. There is, a, there is actually a book. There, there it is. The yeah. book is as big as I, it blocks my whole shot. Look at this. This yes. book is absolutely, it's a huge coffee table book. It's a gigantic book. And I love the back cover. What, that looks really cool. Talk about the art. Who did the art of this cover? The The cover is by Andrew Robinson, the uh, uh-huh. cover artist on Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Uh-huh. And he made it specifically for for the book. It's like an original piece. And uh-huh. uh, I'm pretty sure in inside the book, there's a little print of the cover that it is can, in the back yes yep and you can hang that up if you want i have one hanging in my house not surprisingly <laughs> i've actually got the uh let me hit refresh i've got uh, the cover over here well is it not going to let me share it eh, maybe not i will try let me remove that from stream we'll try it later but let's get a little history of your spider fandom talk about when you became a spider fan when I became a Spider-Man fan. Well, when did that Halloween uh, uh, <laughs> Spider-Man head come out? The, the thing over on my shelf? Yeah, that was, that was mid-70s, like when okay. the Ben Cooper well, costumes came out. Me. I was born in 1980, but I guess they were still okay. making those because we were talking before we started 
that yeah uh, that was that's like calling to me like uh, <laughs> you're going to eBay after this interview right I can almost hear it like beckoning me like <laughs> I mean you must possess I me mean. again because I had one of those as a kid um, so you know that era we're talking that era early eighties. The thing mm-hmm. that really hooked me first was um, Spider-Man on the Electric Company. Oh, uh, love that! Yeah, he same. was uh, he was a frequent guest on the Electric Company, which was a show doesn't exist anymore. Ironically, I was just actually there's I guess there was a they re, they brought it back a few years ago. Yeah, they did. And Spider-Man, so really, who cares? But um, it, I was watching it with my my kids this weekend, trying to sample it to see what it was like. But in the original Electric Company, Spider-Man had his own segment. Mm-hmm. Um, where he would, uh, this guy in a decent, I would say for the time, decent costume. Dude, for 1980, that looked good. I mean, it, it honestly, I it kind of looks better than the one in the, <laughs> the TV series that was, you know, uh, around Nicholas that Nicholas Hammond, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's certainly comparable, I mean, at worst. Yeah. And, uh, the idea was Spider-Man never spoke aloud. His, his mm-hmm. voice was provided by word balloons. Exactly. So it was encouraging you as a little kid to read. So that was where I first discovered him. And I absolutely fell in love with him there. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, I would occasionally read here and there, but what really hooked me as a reader of the comics was the 30th anniversary issues, which was around, I think, oh. two. The hologram covers, huh? The, the, yes. Yeah, so you have to say it like the hologram covers. They were, they had hologram. <laughs> nice. The uh... covers. They were nice, so cool. Uh, nice comic book guy there. <laughs> yeah, so, um, those came out, I would think I was 12 years, if it was 92, I was 11 years old probably when they came out. And yeah. my dad was a big comic book fan when he was a kid. He had a lot of the really early Amazing Spider-Man issues as a kid. And, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, I forget how he found out about it. Maybe there was an article in the Times or something. And he was like, let's go get the 30th anniversary issue of Spider-Man. And I was like, you're going to buy me comic books. I'm not going to say no. And, and, and that was it. That was, that was the ones that really hooked me. I had all four of them and, and amazing Spider-Man was the one that really, really yeah. uh, grabbed me at that time. And, and that was it. I was a, a, a reader ever since. Awesome. So you came in right when the robot parents were coming in and, and yes, like that 92, was the first, I think. Yeah, that's right. The first issue, that was the cliffhanger at the end of the issue was his parents showed up. We didn't know they were robots. Thanks for spoiling it. But... Oh, thir- 30 plus year later spoiler. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. He, yes. The, the parents showed up and, uh, you know, only having read, you know, a couple of comics at that point, I didn't quite understand the gravity of it, but as you read the storyline, you, you sort of, you came to understand it. And then of course, when they were revealed, to be uh, robots. I think the chameleon was behind it all. Yeah. That was a huge, oh my God, <laughs> it was robots all along. Oh and, no. Yeah, I mean, it was devastating. Sp- Spider-Man is the most relatable hero, but how often do we have a parent plot of robots? That doesn't come up in the average Joe's life, you know? It's a very relatable story to find out. Your, <laughs> your parents who were spies for the U.S. government oh, who yeah, that's a bit earlier, who left you in the care of your kindly old aunt. They showed up alive, but turned out to be... Right. Robot duplicates. I mean, it's yeah. a classic. That, that's it's not cliche. I'm kind of sick of seeing it, honestly. What is, <laughs> one of these writers going to come up with some new ideas? So Michelini, after he wrote that, he got done. He, he left the book after the Robot Parents. Yeah, he was done. One song. It's so, true. 92, you started. Did you stick throughout, or did, was there periods of spider comics that you did, dropped off, or have you been a reader since 92? Um, there have been some periods where I've, I would say I've slowed down. Uh, mm-hmm. certainly I wasn't, you know, reading every single thing, maybe not reading all the books, but I read amazing Spider-Man 
pretty much from that point on, um, uh, you know, all through high school, through college, I worked in a comic book store for a few years. Oh, you did? That's awesome. Yes, yes. So that made it easier. Um, I, and, you know, I have kids now, like I said, I have two kids, so I don't really get to go to the store that much. So I'm behind, but I read everything on the Marvel Unlimited app. Oh, isn't that great? I have that oh, too. I love amazing. that thing. It's so great. So that, and that's not a paid plug. They don't pay me to say that. So, um, yeah, I, that's, so I'm six months behind everything, but I'm, yes, I still read pretty much everything. No doubt. Uh, you, uh, before, before we move on, I want to hit the point. If you worked in a comic book store, any funny stories from that? That sounds like you never know who's coming in the door. Um, we did have a couple of, uh, people, famous people used to come in occasionally. This was in central New Jersey. Okay. I think is Sebastian Bach, the, the, the lead singer of a famous hair band. You're asking a bald guy if he knows hair bands. It's okay. <laughs> and you're asking somebody who doesn't never listen to. Let's see. Between us, we don't have an. You uh, have a Google. Maybe. Skid Row. Yeah, that's Tim. I okay. think it's him. So Sebastian Bach, I yeah. guess used to live. I don't know where he lives now, but he used to live in, in uh, near the store where I worked, uh, right. Zap Comics in uh, Zap Central Comics. New Jersey. Nice. Um, and uh, he used to come in all the time. He was very nice. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else. When Brian O'Halloran, who played Dante. Oh, He's right. Yeah. Kevin Smith is from the same area. So he lived around there. He came in a couple of times. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan DiDio came in a few times. He's DC somehow, guy. Yeah. He knew the manager somehow. I'm trying to think if I had any funny stories, but I mean. Were you always telling people not to, to, not to read them on the shelves? You got to buy them first. Don't get the fingerprints. I mean. Now that didn't happen that often, but there was one customer yeah. who would come in with Cheeto and, fingers. No, <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> no, his hygiene was fine, but he would come in and, and we would and he we recognized him at a certain point. He would come yeah. in and he would try to look like he was browsing. He would look at the wall, very mm, right. And he would like open a book and he would leave it on the wall. And he would look at it on the wall and maybe turn a couple of pages and then close it and then take another one. And he almost never bought anything. But, I mean, <laughs> he was harmless. He didn't really bother anybody. So hmm. I don't think we ever really – at least I didn't ever have to uh, talk to him. But, there, yeah, there's definitely one that came to mind uh, that was a, a reader who didn't buy anything. I get all of that. So I'm going to share the cover. I think I've got it working now. So Excellent. Let me, let me pull it up. And you can see this beautiful cover of the book. Uh, there it is. And yes. you, you even have the, uh, Spider-Verse, AKA Frank Miller, uh, Kingpin in the back. Yes. He, he, I was very pleased when I saw that. So yeah. So he, uh, Andrew uh, Robinson did the cover. Beautiful cover. They had him make it specifically for the book. And, mm -hmm. uh, before, you know, I, when they, the editor first sent me you know, she told me that, oh, that's, you know, we've got Andrew working on the cover. I was like, great, because I love his covers. And, uh, right. you know, he's a guy who does covers. So not only is he right. a great artist, like you're thinking, oh, it's going to be great. And then I, I saw the the sketch. She sent me the, the sketch, like the approved design sketch. And mm -hmm. as soon as I thought, I was like, oh, my God. This that's going to pop. Yeah, that's going to look so great. And, yeah, right. he killed it. Did a great job. So uh, talk about how the project came about. We're showing some of the preview images that are up on Amazon right now uh, mm -hmm. that are inside the book. Tell me how this project came about for you. So uh, it's the, the publisher is a company called Inside Editions, and they have done a bunch of these sorts of books. They're, they all have different titles. Um, mm -hmm. They're not really 
titled as if they are a series, but they're sort of an informal series of books where they're, you know, history books, but also with a ton of artwork from from the history of different characters. They've done a, a Black Widow one, they've done a Black Panther one, they've done a Guardians of the Galaxy one. And so this is the Spider-Man one. And mm-hmm. uh, I had done a couple of projects for the publisher, smaller things, you know, essays in other books and uh, emailed an editor I knew there just at, at the right time, basically saying, you yeah. know, I have some ideas, but I'm open to, you know, if you have something that needs writing. And the editor was like, well, I don't have anything at the moment, but by any chance, do you like Spider-Man? <laughs> do I? <laughs> so, yeah. So I, you know, immediately like, yeah, don't let <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, um, and that was basically the beginning and had to, mm-hmm. you know, um, basically uh, auditioned, I guess, so to speak, for the actual editor of, of the book and took a little while, had to get approved, all that stuff. And then- How, uh, how do you audition it. to write one of these books? How do you audition for something? Well, like there, was a, there was a singing component for some reason. <laughs> um, the swimsuit competition was surprisingly competitive. Wow. No, um, <laughs> uh, there was a phone interview. Um, there was, uh, you know, I sent along some- uh, some clips, some things I had written. Um, you know, I had done that other stuff for the company, which helped. Mm-hmm. Um, had a long interview, uh, kind of laying out what I would want to do, uh, talking about my sort of, uh, you know, thoughts and uh, opinions about uh, Spider-Man. And um, and that was about it. I had to get approved. It's a licensed book by Marvel. So they had, they had to approve me as well. But um, yeah, that was it. Awesome. So when did you get started on it? How much, how long did this book take to make? It, uh, not enough time is the answer. <laughs> I mean, all that stuff I was describing was, uh, I guess about now it's about a year and a half ago. It was like the fall of 2018. And then the, the book itself, the first draft was due like, uh, like January, February of 2019. And then so there was September a few, February to work yeah, on it. Yeah, so it's not, not a lot of time. And then there was some, there was some, you know, other there was revisions and stuff like that, and and also um, selecting the artwork, captioning the artwork, all that stuff. But you know, it was much less than a full year, maybe six months total from start to finish. Yeah. Um, talk about the research. What did you do? I know you've been you've been researching since 1992 when you picked up those holograms. Yeah, that's right. Covers. Yes, you yeah. stole my cutesy answer that I always oh. give. When are you going to say it again? Oh, no, that's, that's all right. No, uh, no, it's true. Yeah, I had a, did have quite a few years of research under my belt already. But, um, you know, I already mentioned that Marvel Unlimited app. That was extremely uh, useful um, doing uh, some reading. You know, it was a combination of reading things I had never read, reading mm-hmm. things that I had read but were, you know, kind of needed to refresh my memory. You know, I have, I don't have quite the number of boxes you have behind you, but in my, <laughs> my poor parents' basement, there are quite a few. And so there was some of the, some of digging through there to get some stuff that, you know, for example, isn't on that uh, unlimited app. It doesn't yeah. have everything. Like a uh, lot, there's a big chunk of spectacular gone out of the yes, unlimited. A lot of I wish we could read that all the way through. Spectacular. They're missing some adjectiveless Spider-Man. In fact, that was a lot of what I needed. Um, there was, they have, pretty much the whole clone saga on there. And I think yeah. they, since I actually wrote the book, they have updated it, which is somewhat yeah. frustrating because some of the things I needed are on there now. <laughs> but like the end of the clone saga, the stuff where um, uh, Peter Parker, 
you know, uh, comes back as Spider-Man, like the very, very end, I think it's called Revelations, maybe the four part yeah. storyline that really wrapped it up. Like that wasn't on there at the time. And I really needed to, to have that in the book. And, and, uh, so I had to dig out my old, uh, issues of that. So right. it was, um, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I certainly didn't keep track, but I, if I had to guess, I would guess that I spent more hours reading and rereading than I did actually writing even though I had to write an entire book. <laughs> well, that must be nice. You know, you said uh, you're married and you said if uh, you, you never, I'm doing research, honey, you know, I'm reading, I'm reading Marvel Unlimited. That, that's a good excuse. I'm working. It was, oh, it was the, it was the best excuse ever. Yeah. Go deal with the, I can't deal with the kids right now. I'm reading Spider-Man. He's in, he just cloned this himself. I'm in the seventies. I'm almost there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, uh, no, I, the, the book was definitely not, you know, like the hardest, you know, the hardest I've ever worked on anything because I have a day job and I was yeah. doing my, you know, I took a couple of days off here or there to, to, to work on the book, but you know, uh, basically I would put the kids to bed, my wife would go to sleep and then I would, I would work all night basically and work on the weekends on the book. But, uh, it was the, I mean, it's the most fun I've ever had working yeah. on anything. Cause you're reading Spider-Man, you're interviewing Spider-Man creators, you're writing about Spider-Man, uh, you're you picking the Spider-Man art, like, Oh, it was, I mean, uh, I, I, it was absolutely a, a dream come true. It was, it was the most fun I've ever had, you know, not sleeping and working my butt off. So, oh uh, yeah, it was great. So you put the kids to bed. How many issues are you reading a night? How, how many are you going through on that app? Uh, it depends. It depended on, it depended on the night, but probably yeah. if, you know, it would, it would be more like I would look at, like I was trying to do like storylines or getting through, oh, I've got to get through everything that Roger Stern wrote in this right. week, or I've got to get through the clone saga this week, or I have to reread some of ultimate spider-man I, I i never really like kept track of how many issues in a night but i would guess you know a typical night would be like 25 maybe Oof. man that's a lot of reading yeah was there was there something in the research that you came across that you were surprised by something in the research i came across and i was surprised by um I think the surprises for me were, you know, wasn't anything like shocking in terms of, you know, like, I can't believe this or how it was more like I would read things and it was a general sense of, even though I've loved Spider-Man, you know, pretty much my whole life. And I've read so many comics is like, you know, you read things as a kid and it, you mm -hmm. know, you understand when you go back and look at it again, it might not be that good. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you have, you know, nostalgia for some things and nostalgia can sort of taint your, yeah. your, your vision of them. And I was sort of impressed and surprised, like just how many great Spider-Man comics there were. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I guess theoretically, if I, if you didn't like Spider-Man or if the comics weren't that good, all that research would be kind of a chore. Oh, I got to read more. You know, there's certain comics we could probably name where if you had to read 25 issues a night for months, you would lose your mind. But <laughs> um, with Spider-Man, it was like, you know, obviously there are these times in Spider-Man that are very famous and justifiably so, but I was finding like, you know, runs and, and, and stories that aren't necessarily like the most famous and going, these are really good. Like th yeah. this, you know, why don't people talk about this? This is a fabulous run of issues. Like what, what, what specifically were you thinking of that were underrated? You know, one that always jumps to mind that really like maybe because I hadn't read that much of it as a kid because it was sort of right before 
I started reading monthly, and then it doesn't have a great reputation. At least, no one I no one ever told me to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the issues that really I loved a lot that I was really surprised by were the ones by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends when oh, they're yeah. writing right. um, Amazing Spider-Man, like the the first issues with like the the, the black costume, the Venom suit, mm-hmm. when Peter first gets it right after Secret War, Secret Wars. Uh, like those issues are great. They're amazing. They're, um, the stuff with the costume is really clever. I think Tom DeFalco was a really underrated, uh, Peter writer of Peter Parker and of Spider-Man. Those Mary are the Jane. Issues. Yeah. What's that? And Mary Jane also. I was yeah. say, and those are the issues where they totally reinvented Mary Jane, like the character that we know now, like they were the ones who kind of introduced that. And and they have that great issue where she tells her basically her secret origin, you know, and she um, reveals that she's always known he, he, he's Spider-Man and you get that wonderful connection between them where they both have these secret lives. They both have almost secret identities. There's kind of all these lovely uh, connections between the characters. What's that? She wears a party girl mask. Yeah, he wears exactly. a, he wears a red, red and blue mask. Yeah. Exactly. And so you see why these characters who've maybe um, at, at certain times, maybe you didn't understand what drew them together. You, it, like, uh, it was one of those kind of retcons in comics that comes along every so often where you suddenly go, this makes everything make more sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, and they were the guys who did that. And they have, a, and you know, they weren't on the book for that long, but um, those were the ones that I had never read before. And I uh, absolutely was blown away, blown away by how good they were. And, you know, I probably could have stopped reading at a certain point and said, okay, I got it. I don't need to read every single one for the book, but I, I did. I just kept going because they were just so, uh, so entertaining. Two of my favorites that DeFalco and friends did is ASM 269 and 70, the fight of Fire Lord. I, I love that fight. I think that's, it, it's, he's the underdog and he took down a Galactus Herald essentially which some people debate if that's possible. I say, yes, it is. It's Peter Parker. He can do anything <laughs> you want. <laughs> One thing we were uh, inside the book is I'm going to add some more. You have some beautiful looking art inside this book. Talk about what it was like. Cause you, it really gets blown up in this coffee table size. Talk about what it was like to get the art for it. Did you pick out what covers, what images go in the book or. So, that- uh, yeah. So the, the art was all chosen by me and the editor together. Mm-hmm. Um, we would, we kind of, you know, as I was doing all that research, I was constantly taking notes about, you know, oh, this would be good, this would be good. And she had her kind of wish list. I had my wish list. We put them together and kind of combined into one uh, kind of joint list. And yeah, the book, you know, you showed the actual book on screen earlier. It's it's, yeah, right it's gigantic. Yeah. And so one of the cool things about the book is that the artwork in most cases is, is bigger than it even was, you know, in a comic. Here, I can tell so you. really get to, yeah, I mean, and if I you just... Demonstrate- because you can compare it to my head, I guess. Yes. And I'll just pick a random page. Right. Oh, if your head just, was comic book size, you can pay. talking about this. That was the that was one of the issues I needed to find. Peter Parker, yeah. Spider-Man 75. Yes, that one it was not. Been. Uh, yeah, that was not on Marvel Unlimited. But yeah, yeah. so you get gigantic artwork. Um, you get to kind of pour over it really, really big, yeah. which is super cool. And um, yeah, yeah, we chose, we sort of did it all together. There really wasn't, you know, it was, that was, you know, it was hard winnowing it down. I mean, that was really the one difficult thing was because there's 
you know, 50 odd years of amazing. One uh, subtle thing that I liked about the book, once you take the uh, the dust jacket off mm-hmm. on the oh, front. Yes, there's a little embossed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you matched the front spider on his costume and you matched the back mm. uh, symbol on the costume. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was. Yes, not that many was, people noticed that. Well done. Yes. That was really, that was really well done, I thought. Yes. So uh, let's see. What else do we have? been multitasking. I'm holding up books and I get back to my question. Um, getting art for the book, it, you go to Marvel and you say, I want this page. You want that page. Do they have like an archive of images and folders that they send over to you and you pop it into the book when you produce it? That would probably be a question more for the editor because she was okay. the one who really dealt directly with Marvel. But I will say like we put together you know, what we wanted and there wasn't yeah. anything that we, you know, like, Oh, we don't have that. We can't put that in. It was pretty much, it was pretty much, um, you know, wide open, whatever we wanted. I'm trying to think if there were any, any like, like, Oh, you can't put this in, we can't use this, but uh, there really wasn't. I mean, the only kind of notes we got at all really was just like, add more of this. We would love to see more of that, which mm-hmm. fine by me. I was constantly begging to write more, to make it longer, Um, adding there's sidebars in the book. That was, that was my idea. That was me begging to write more. It gives you a little history of what the images are about. Yeah. And, and the, the previews that you were showing on the screen earlier, like a bunch of those previews are actually the little sidebars. Um, There are, it's not, there's not one in every chapter, but most chapters like, yeah, that one is right over here. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the one. So basically, you know, we haven't really talked about the interviews I did for the book, but I did a a ton of interviews, and one of them was Alex Ross. Yeah. And he designed this particular costume, uh, you know, like the redesign that they had a few years ago. And I, you know, I asked him a bunch of questions, but I asked him a a, a couple about this, like, you know, about the design, not just of his redesign, but, you know, the actual original, you know, Ditko design as well. And he, he had, so many great things to say that it was like, it's a, this is like, none of this is making it into the book because I'm having trouble finding a place for it. So, um, you know, gave it a sidebar. This one was, this is actually just part of a chapter, but I know that there is, um, one of the ones you showed was for like Spider-Gwen. She has a sidebar that was, you know, that was again, like we need to get some more. It would be great to have. Yeah, there she is. So like that was another. There's your sidebars right here. Yeah. yeah. So almost every single chapter has one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was a case of, of there was just so much stuff to kind of shoehorn in that I was constantly trying to find ways to anywhere I could squeeze a little mm-hmm. bit more. So there's a couple of sidebars as well. And uh, yeah, that was the hard part. It wasn't so much like Marvel was honestly like very accommodating, very easy to work with, had very few notes or issues. And it was really just, you know, cause the book is, is big this way, but it's not that big this way. And so it was, you know, squeezing as much as we possibly could in from 50 plus years of comics. You were talking about those interviews. You interviewed Alex Ross. Talk about uh, some other ones. You've got one that I've never been able to get is Straczynski. How, how did you get the interviews? Where the email? Uh, so there are some, it's a mix. There are some email, there are some on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just depended on the person and I pretty much anyone who was willing to talk to me, I, you know, if it was up to me, I would prefer phone, but if they're only willing to do uh email, then I would make that work as well. Straczynski. And there was a few people in there that, um, I was fortunate that, uh, many lifetimes ago, um, I worked, uh, at a website, uh, that was edited by, uh, Chris Ryle, who is now the editor of IDW. 
Okay. And, and so when I was, uh, I forget how I was talking to him about the project, but at some point I mentioned it to him and he, he helped me connect to a few people that I probably would not have been able to get otherwise. And Straczynski was one of them. And, uh, he, I, we did that one over email, but, uh, his aunt, he gave me some, some wonderful, uh, mm -hmm. stuff that is in the book. And, uh, that was, yes, I was very lucky to get him. Um, but yeah, there's something like, I think there's like somewhere between 15 and 20 ish interviews that I did in the book. Falco, I remember, I remember Stearns in there, uh, yep. Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas, uh, Jerry uh, Conway, Dan Slott, Brian Michael Bendis, mm -hmm. mentioned Alex Ross, James DeMattis, who did the oh, yeah. foreword for the book as well. Talk about that. He's one of my favorites. He wrote Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, how, what was it like to get him to do the foreword? Do you just say, hey, would you mind? <laughs> <laughs> and that was, well, that, I mean, that was sort of how I got to do the interview with him. And then um, the editor uh, went back to him and said, would you mind do, yeah, doing the foreword? And he said uh, he would love to. And he did a great job with that as well. And He's someone, I mean, but the th really everyone I spoke to, like the thing that comes across is, um, is like, you know, we're sitting here, obviously we are very passionate about Spider-Man. Um, like you, you feel the same passion from everyone I, that you talk to about it. Like the, you know, it's like, it's not just a gig for the writers and the artists. Like they have their own favorite, storylines they have their own favorite interpretation of spider-man they have they all have a story about the first issue they read and they fell in love with and why the character resonated with them like it's a character that means a lot to the not just the the, the fans of the character but to the people that make the book it seems i i didn't come across anyone who's like oh yeah marvel wanted me to write the write spider-man <laughs> so i wrote it for a while and it was i hated it but i guess people liked it like you don't that right. doesn't really exist like yeah. you know obviously the earliest issues were you know were stan lee and, and steve ditko and john romita but it was like pretty much everyone after that was like a spider-man fan like they mm -hmm. they they came to the book even like jerry conway who was 19 yeah. when he started writing the book like um uh it was like a very you know like it was more than just an, a writing assignment or an art assignment and um uh that was kind of cool to see because you know um for myself like obviously this wasn't just an, uh, a typical writing assignment either because I love the character so much as well. So that was sort of heartening to see that the people doing it uh, felt the same way about him. As right, I you're, you're talking about your first exposure to Spider-Man was Electric Company. It was mine also and also uh, Amazing Friends. That mm -hmm. I can't look at Amazing Friends and not have just child, childish eyes on it. I can't pick that cartoon apart because I, I, I thought that was the best we're ever going to get. <laughs> so, I mean... You probably are the same way with the electric company, et cetera. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, anybody in the book that you wanted to get that you couldn't besides Steve Ditko and Stan Lee? Well, yeah, those would have been the big, the big ones. Uh, you, Ditko, <laughs> you could print money. <laughs> yeah. That would have really been something. Yeah. yeah. Stanley passed away like literally like two weeks or so yeah. before the first, I first talk to the editor, like the timing just was, you know, just unfortunately, you know, couldn't possibly work out. He like, cause they sent me when I was starting to work on this one, they sent me inside editions. They sent me some of the other books that are very similar. So I had a sense of like the kind of thing they were going for. 
And, you know, he's interviewed and I think the, the Black Panther one has some interviews with him. So I was I was very jealous of of uh, the writer of the Black uh, Black Panther uh, book of, of, of this kind. Um, anybody else? I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a million. I never, you know, the, the one that I kept chasing and I never figured out, I could never got in touch with with him and couldn't make it work was uh, Sal Buscema is uh, another amazing artist who I love and loved as a kid. And I just I could I email different email addresses. You know, I had people trying. It just it never, never quite tracked him down. So that's one that comes to mind. I would have loved to have talked to him because, you know, he had so many, he drew so many issues. He spanned different eras uh, of the character. It would have been great to uh, talk to him, but that didn't work out. About 10 years ago, because I started this podcast in 06, probably about 2010 or 2009, I think we had him on the show mm-hmm. and it was his 50th anniversary working at Marvel. Wow. And, and through various things, I was able to get Stanley on the show and surprise Sal on this show. And it was, I didn't think, I don't think Stan knew he was live on the air. He just <laughs> a little bit. So <laughs> I'll, I'll email you the, the link to the, uh, the show that you can listen to that. Uh, we had, Ron Friends, Tom DeFalco, and Stanley surprising uh, Sal. Oh for wow, his that's awesome. That was my that was my biggest show I've ever done. That is that is pretty. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. No offense to you, but that was my favorite show that we. Ever no, did. I'm not. No, that's that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I did inter- years ago when I worked at the Independent Film Channel. I interviewed Stanley at. E3 of all places, like there was a Marvel video game there and they brought him in to promote it. And, you know, you know, you're saying he was, he didn't know he was on the air. He was uh, maybe uh, a little salty with the language. And that was exactly how he was when I met him, you know, like backstage, we were like sitting somewhere, you know, like in a green room somewhere. And he's like, and he's like, and he's like Stan, but he's also like cussing up a storm. And then like, and then it. as soon as the camera went on, he was like, ah, Excelsior, you know, exactly. like he, he turned it on and off and turned it on and off. And yeah, it was like, it was, that was pretty awesome to uh, get to witness for really sure. Fun. But when you say he was a little salty, I know exactly what you're talking about. Now talk a bit about the layout of the book. You kind of, in the beginning, kind of did it by decades. You did the sixties and the popularity growth of the seventies and then the clones and the symbiotes, etc. Talk about how you wanted to lay this book out. So the layout, the outline was really the first step was just, yeah. um, you know, we have X number of pages, we have X number of words, how are we going to cover all of this and, you know, that, that amount of space. And to me, it was just knowing the character like I do, it was just kind of like, okay, well, trying to find the natural places that can be grouped together. So, you know, obviously like the creation and uh, the Lee and Ditko period, Lee and Ramita period. And then you kind of go, well, I, I only have X number of chapters and I have to, you know, so it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle yeah. and um, just trying to figure out what eras are the most important and what, what things deserve their own chapter and what things can be part of a chapter. Uh, mm-hmm. What things are you going to just have to kind of skim over and what kind of things do you have to really uh, dive into and, and give, the full, you know, as much um, attention as you possibly can. What were some things that you had to had to take out that you wanted to put in there that you didn't have enough space? I mean, literally anything. I mean, I the, the I would have uh, I would have loved to like just put publish like a book of the full interviews that I did. Honestly, mm-hmm. like I talked to like 
you know, like uh, I talked to uh, Brian Bendis for like th three hours. I talked to Dan wow. Slott for like three hours. Like, uh, so there's just a tiny, tiny fraction that's in the book. Um, and, and, you know, I tried to include as much as I could, but there's just so many fun little tidbits that, you know, didn't quite make the cut. Um, in terms of like specific like storylines or characters or um, I'm trying to think, I mean, one that I would have liked to have put in there and it didn't, wasn't a space issue, but, you know, we mentioned that I loved as a kid, the 30th anniversary issues with the hologram covers. Well, <laughs> hologram covers don't really translate to a book like my they book. Don't. You know, yeah. you can't really republish that. It would just look like a big gray blab. <laughs> so as much as yeah. like that issue has a huge amount of personal meaning for me and I would have liked to have included it purely selfishly for that reason, that was one that I couldn't sneak in there. There's a couple in there. There's a couple of covers that, uh, uh, one or two in particular that I really love that I s kind of snuck in, not snuck in, cause like <laughs> you know, it's all approved and they're great covers, but like that they have personal meaning to me that they're in there as much for me as they are for, you know, historical yeah. purposes. But that well, was. What, that what was, are they? What are some that you are personal? Well, one, uh, I'm gonna. I'm always. I always forget the actual issue, but there's one um, specific issue of Amazing Spider-Man. I'll see if I can find it in my copy. I have a PDF here. I'll go through and see if I can find it. Um, there's one issue of Amazing Spider-Man uh, from the. Here it is. So it's issue number sixty-eight, Crisis on Campus. Oh yeah, uh, which is a great cover. Uh, mm -hmm. but the reason it's really in there besides the fact that it's a beautiful cover is I mentioned my dad was a, a comic book fan and, uh, he had all, I don't even know how many, but a lot of the very early Spider-Man issues, a lot of the really early, you know, Silver Age Marvel stuff. And my, uh, late grandmother, <laughs> bless her soul, threw away many, many, many oh, of them. Who's that grandma, huh? <laughs> God bless grandmas. They are the best, but they do have a habit of throwing away comic books. At least they did in the 60s. I don't know what was going there you on. Go. There's what you're talking about right there. Yes, there right it is. Campus, yeah. That is, that, that is, I'm, yes, that is in the book. It's mm -hmm. got like its own page in the book. So most of my father's like collection was thrown away, but I, he managed to save somewhere like a stack like this. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bunch of different stuff. Justice League, a lot of Justice League because he loved the Justice League. Uh, the Atom. He's a big Adam fan, the DC character, the Adam. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of Marvel ones in there, and there's two Spider-Man issues. There's Amazing Spider-Man number five, okay. with Doctor Doom, and this issue, which was actually in really good condition. And so, like as a kid, I read it uh, 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 over and over, and has so it has a lot of. It's a great issue, but it also has a lot of sentimental uh, value for me. So that was that was the reason that you know when you're looking for examples, you need great examples of. Uh, John Romita covers and and covers from that era. There's a lot you could pick. There you go. There's, uh, there's a few different ones. Yes, that's the other one. Now, the, my I don't even think my it, my copy that my dad gave me even has the cover. Uh, if it has the cover at all, it's <laughs> like it's like half of that image, and it's not even attached. It's just Red like beer, a, huh? <laughs> it's a shredded piece of paper. But the rest of the issue is is intact, and I definitely did very carefully read it, and I still have all of the ones he gave me. But uh, yeah, so that's one that's in there, sort of. It's like a, a, a Matt Singer Easter egg, I guess. In the okay. book. 
my the one the cover i don't know if everybody else likes it but it was like my very first one that i ever got was marvel team up annual two because hulk is my second favorite hero and he's holding a, a spider-man's holding apart these two i don't know what they're what they are and hulk is pouncing behind him and i always no one else loves that book but i do i i understand quite well your fondness of certain thing that has more sentimental value than anything um I'm looking at Annual. Oh yes, I see it here. Oh yes, I will. I say and see. Let me. Let me do. I always equate this as my first comic, and I'll put it up on the screen. I mean, how there could you not? How could you not like that? And that's in the peak of the '70s, where Spider-Man's on television, the Hulk's Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. Right. I mean, that's that's sealed me for a Marvel fan forever. That that cover right to there. keep these globes from touching yeah, exactly destroy the earth, <laughs> dude. How can and it's seventy five cents, so it's it's a king size annual, so it's big. I really yeah. hope he didn't let those globes touch. Nobody tell me. I'm gonna have to go no, in. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm read that one on the uh, Unlimited app tonight after we we, it's we wrap not it up. On there. I don't think it's on there. It, it needs yeah. to be someday. I'm sure they'll add it someday. Yeah. Uh, favorite era Spider-Man. What's your favorite era Spider-Man? When do you think it was? It was on all cylinders. When do you think it was really cooking? Well, I mean, kind of like what I was saying earlier. Like there, there's so many good eras. Like I, you know, doing the research, you go, oh, I, 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 there was never a point where I was like, oh, I've got to read this or I've got to read that. Even the stuff that has a bad reputation, yeah. a lot of it, it's not that, it's not, it's still Spider-Man. You know, it's kind of yeah. like pizza. Even bad pizza is still pizza. It's like exactly. even a bad Spider-Man comic is still a Spider-Man comic. Yeah. Um, it can't really be that bad. Um, Since you grew I, up in the 90s, I would think your attachment would be in the 90s. I would imagine. I do. I do love, yeah. I mean, those, those issues that first grabbed me, uh, yeah. the one in like the three, you know, the 350 to 400 era, mm -hmm. very, uh, very sentimental for me. I think a lot of those are really fun. I was, mm -hmm. a, you know, Mark Bagley is, uh, was the artist for a lot of that. He was the one that really caught my attention. And so I always, I've always loved his art. Um, you know, he went on to do Ultimate Spider-Man with, with Bendis. Yeah. And I always thought that was a great, a great pairing. Uh, you know, I, was reading Bendis's really early image comics. And so when he got that gig, that was, you know, I was on board from the very first issue yeah. and uh, I've, you know, had every single, single one. So, I mean, I think, and, and rereading those, I mean, some of the pop culture references in ultimate Spider-Man are getting a little dated now because, you know, the, the goal was to make it very contemporary for the early 2000s. Any of that come to mind? Cause I haven't read them since they came out in the 2000s. You know, I like, I, I was rereading them now, like over a year ago, and I'm lucky if I remember what I ate for lunch. But <laughs> I feel like there's at least one or two Jaw Rule references. Like, no disrespect to Jaw Rule, but that really yeah. places it in like a, you know, there's yeah. some very very topical musical references. Mm -hmm. Peter will be mentioning what he's listening to, where you're like, in 2002 or whatever yeah. it was, like this made perfect sense. That's what was on the radio. But it is sort of funny to to uh, look back at it 15 or so years later. Uh, What's, that comes to mind, uh, Peter and Mary Jane's favorite song was established in the 70s, and it was Kung Fu Fighting. Oh, sure. So, a class. Yeah, so, really, really well. I think they, they came up in the 90s or the 2000s, and they, they referenced, yep, that's still our favorite song. That's yeah. <laughs> not problematic at all either. No, so, yeah. I, I like Kung Fu Fighting. Um, and the opposite end of that question, what's your least favorite era? Where was Spider-Man struggling? Um, 
I've, you know, like the one, uh, uh, again, I, this is, you know, it's like. Bad pizza. Uh, it's still yeah, it's pizza. Like bad yeah. pizza. It's still not that terrible. But like the ones, the ones that sort of lost me, I, I lost a little bit of interest was the very, you know, when they, the very tail end of the original volume of Amazing Spider-Man, which then they re, you know, they relaunched, I think just two books, Amazing Spider-Man and Peter Parker Spider-Man with number ones. And, and John Byrne was. Mm-hmm. Involved in those, and um, you know, that's, I think that's around the period of like they did the chapter one book as well. I've never been a huge fan of of, of those, any of that yeah. stuff. I mean, I, I think the artwork, you know, John Byrne's artwork is wonderful. I always loved his Spider Man. I mean, he's just an amazing artist in general. But exactly. the, the that batch of stories, I've never really kind of you know, those are I I can't say I would probably would have reread those uh, right. if not the project not for the book right. so that's one that comes to mind as eh, it's, they're okay but that's a popular opinion and i agree with you very much so okay. um uh, actually my next question had chapter one in it we uh, we uh, when we entered the late 90s we had chapter one and then we had ultimate spider-man in 2000s what are your thoughts about, about going back to the beginning and retelling that origin what do you think it's for another generation or do you think they shouldn't go back to the well again and keep retelling the origin again um, you know, I think to me, it's like any story. It's not what, you know, there's a famous, uh, Roger Ebert quote about movies. It's not what the movie is about. It's how it's about it. And I think it probably applies to all art. It certainly applies to comics. You could use it yeah. here. Um, you know, I, I think the right slant on it, the right creators, I'm happy to read a new version of, of, uh, Spider-Man's origin. You know, like you take those two examples, like chapter one, I always thought was, you know, again, like it looks great, but it's like to a certain extent when you're simply just retelling the origin, basically you're trying to like update some of the technology, some of the references, some of the fashion so that it doesn't look quite as dated. Yeah. To me, it's like if you're just retelling something just for the sake of retelling it, especially something like that story that's so famous and now is so easily read everywhere. You don't need have a copy of amazing fantasy 15 versus ultimate spider-man where it's the same essential idea but instead of one issue for the origin they take seven and yeah. instead of uncle ben being on three pages he's like a major character in that storyline and you actually mm-hmm. get to learn a little bit about him and he's a little bit different of a guy than the doddering yeah. old man you know and aunt may is a younger aunt may so to me it's like i'm always up for any spider-man story with the right creators with the right mm-hmm. kind of take on it it's not like oh i refuse to read this i never want to see this again i'm i'm not so uh, militant about it i again i love spider-man it's spider-man exactly. no doubt so You're, yeah it's it's the it's the it's the it's all in the how it's told really uh in the book you talk about how john byrne and uh, howard mackie took over the book and then they left and straczynski came in mm-hmm. and his his uh, in the book you talk about he had one mission and that was to do something different uh, t- he made Peter a teacher. The spider that bit him now had a motive, <laughs> and there were spider totems. Talk a bit about that change. It was kind of Spider-Man was kind of going downhill a little bit until Straczynski took him back up. Yeah, you know, I that was another run that I had read all those issues mm-hmm. uh, when they were coming out, and then rereading them, I really 
Um, I really loved rereading those. And, yeah. you know, he, like you were saying, he wanted to do something different. I feel like even now they really stand out as very different because right after yeah. he left, they sort of de-aged the character a little bit. They made him, you know, they kind of brought him back to the, you know, the, the sort of the bachelor Peter Parker, the you know, I don't know if he's technically a student, but he's sort of, you know, like the perpetually underemployed, yeah. you know, living with roommates, struggling, you know, having all these sorts of, you know, they go, they go back to the default, the default yeah, version, sort of iconic representation yeah. of the character. And, and Straczynski does all these different things with him. Yeah. He makes him a teacher, which I always thought was a really, you know, apart from the logistics of a guy who's constantly like running away to go fight a monster man, probably would have a hard time having a nine to five job like a well, teacher. You can do it on the plan period, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. He's using his, uh, his his he's taking a lot of um, a lot of time off, and he's yeah his yeah. his his PD and stuff. But uh, other than that, I always thought it was a very appropriate role for Peter Parker. Like Peter yeah. Parker's such an inspirational figure, like on a meta level, you know, like people right. really like look to that character as this inspirational figure. And like, so of course he would be an inspirational figure in the lives of these kids. Like he would want to do that. That makes perfect sense to me. Right. So I love that. And, and um, you know, people, I don't think really remember like that, that period, like he actually like breaks Peter and Mary Jane up. They're like separated for a long time. Yeah. And um I didn't really talk to him about this, but like, I know his own marriage broke up not long before that. And uh, oh. he feels maybe that he's drawing some, you know, there's like a personal yeah. element you that I think, what you know, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think you do. And I think that that's part of maybe what made those issues really pop and, and have a really adult feel like it's an adult Spider-Man um, that you don't really get to see very often. And yeah, that I know later in the run, he went down some weird, uh, sleeping with Gwen and having yeah, friends. that was a little weird. But he originally wanted it to be Peter's kids, is what I understand too. I I, I believe you're correct. Yeah. yeah, so that probably would have been again. That was. I think weird. his editor, editor rejected that idea, so he went with the Norman. Yeah, but but I think a lot of that run really holds up really well. You know, John Romita Jr. doing the art for most of those is amazing, and um, uh, I think that they they because they did sort of shift the character back before you know right after that and ended the marriage and all that stuff like they really do kind of hold up as this unique period in the character because they haven't really done with there's some exceptions now with like renew your vows and even that recent life story book which is really really good oh yeah um, they haven't really done that sort of like adult take on the character very much and so it, it does stand out for that reason as a longtime reader uh, the adult peter parker is the one i want i i've seen high school so much but i'm i, I guess i'm not the demographic that they want or but i am the demographic that buys the four dollar books yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it's true it absolutely yeah. is. uh you div talk a little bit about one more day in the book that's one of the most divisive uh things for uh spider fans where straczynski broke up mary jane had a deal with mephisto the devil what are your thoughts on that? What uh, that I don't think they would think people are still talking about this ten plus years later, the marriage getting dissolved. Right. Well, I mean, for me, like I, you know, uh, these these things get some some fans get very very sensitive about these sorts of things. I always, yeah. I mean, I'm honestly a little surprised they haven't undone it yet. It seems like yeah. 
the sort of thing they would eventually undo. And it wouldn't shock me if uh, a year from now they do or, or uh, six months from now or tomorrow. Who knows? I, you know, like I said, I'm six months behind. So who knows? Well, uh, you've probably read uh, Spencer's run there. Mary Jane and Peter are back together. Back together sure. Married. Yeah. Uh, did Straczynski say anything about One More Day in your interviews? Um, I did ask him about it. He didn't say that m much. You know, I, I think that was, you know, I, he wasn't entirely happy with how the, the, I know like the final issues, I think he like shares writing credit. I think uh, he wanted his name off as well. I've, I've heard, I, yeah. I've heard that story as well, but I, I mean, his name is on the book in some, yeah. some form. Um, I, I'd have to look back at what at his interview to see exactly what he said. I, you know, I did ask about it. That was an interview again that was over email, so you know he could sort of choose to exactly. to uh, answer or not answer how he would like. And I did ask him about it, and he, you know he, he basically, if I recall correctly, you know he wasn't completely enamored with how that that would the end of that story. But I think what he said was he was grateful that he did get to write. Um, them as a married couple because he liked that relationship and he again liked the sort of adult Peter Parker just because he felt like you know we had like you were saying like we have seen a, the younger Peter Parker for years and years already it's like he wanted to do something a little different and he was really the last guy who got to, uh, yeah. to do that for a long time what's your personal preference you like Peter married or single well, I, you know, I grew up, I grew up when he, he was married when I was a kid. Like I yeah. didn't, it's so funny to hear, like, like you said, like, you know, uh, the rationale is that, you know, kids don't want to read a married Spider-Man. They don't relate right. to a married Spider-Man. Um, but when I was 11 years old, that was, that was my Spider-Man. He was a married guy and it, I didn't think it was odd. I didn't not relate to him. Um, if anything, I sort of liked, you know, it was like, wow, if, you know, this dork grew up and he married this beautiful, intelligent, you know, smart, wonderful person. So that's nice. Uh, I didn't really look at it as like, I can't relate to this just because I'm a nerd. Uh, <laughs> you could get a supermodel someday. We all could, you know. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I always enjoyed when the when the relationship was well written, when the characters were well written, I always uh, enjoyed it. And I was sort of you know, I wasn't shocked necessarily when they uh, broke them up, but I was, you know, I was, I, I was certainly a little disappointed, but the thing is, you know, the stories that came out after that were great too. And I think you just have to, again, it's like, you have to kind of look at it in the, take the long view. It's like, inevitably all these stories come around and there'll be right. another, you know, like you said, like they're, they're not married in the comics right now, but they're back together in the comics. Yeah. And it's so going to happen. It's very cyclical and, um, it's not what it is. It's how it is. You know, it's how, how the, how the, how the tale is told as they say. Exactly. So, uh, let's go to some comments we've gotten from Facebook and YouTube. Uh, the very okay. first one, uh, we had from Austin. He says, I'm a huge comic, uh, or a huge collector of Marvel coffee table books. And as soon as Brad posted the video of the book on Facebook, it made me think I need to get this ASAP. So there you go. One sold. Excellent. <laughs> uh, if you go on the crawl space, uh, I put an Amazon link. You can pick it up from there. Uh, this might be a friend of yours. He says, you hate the movie Jim, Jim Catra. Yes. What is that? Jim Cotta. Yeah. That's that? a, that is a, it's not a movie I hate. It's a movie I love. He's, uh -huh. yeah, Eric is making, making 
making fun of me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a masterpiece of a film about a uh, a spy for the U.S. government who is also a Olympic gymnast. So oh, he is okay. part gymnast, part spy, all <laughs> hero. It's a there wonderful film. People should so, watch. So Flow says Marvel Team Up sixty seven was my first comic. I don't know what that is. Let's look that up. Marvel up. Team Up sixty seven. Let's see who was in that. Yeah, so it was very difficult choosing the Marvel Team Up issues to put in the book. That was something I really... Tigra, teaming up with Tigra, Tigra. against Brayden. There you go. That one is not in the book. That is a cool cover. Um, that was something we really struck. I mean, I like spent out way too many hours looking at like Marvel team up issues. Like there's like a two page spread in the book of like a bunch of different ones, but it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you choose? These covers are all amazing. All the, you know, which characters do you include? And sort of mostly, I think, aired on the side of, you know, characters that people recognize, people well, yeah. that are really popular in the, in the MCU right now. We got nearly 60 years to pick from. How are you going to put that? In, like, right, in 125 issues of the first run of Marvel Team Up, plus all the yeah. other ones. It's, it's, yeah. it's tough. Uh, Matt wants to know, is the book available by Barnes & Noble or a local comic book shop? So... Uh, it probably depends on the store. The, the, mm -hmm. the book was in previews, the, you know, previews catalog as a, yes, as a former, yeah. Like the diamond, you know, the order catalog, it has like a previews number. If you look on the, the diamond website, if you search for the title, you can get the, uh, you can get the number and, you know, I'm, I'm sure your local shop would be happy to order it for you. Um, I was very excited as a former employee who had to spend hours and hours looking at previews when it was, my book was in previews. That was a very proud moment That's for cool. me. I have never seen it in a physical Barnes and Noble, but it is available on their website. Amazon certainly has it. Um, you know, and, and it's very easy to find online. If you do want to buy it from a specific store, you know, like your mm -hmm. local store. And I certainly applaud that. Uh, yeah, you probably will have to ask them to order it for you, but they should be able to. If you look uh, at the bottom of the page in the crawl space, I put an Amazon link. So if you want to order it right there, you can do it right there through Amazon. So there is a plug. <laughs> uh, SoFlo says, what's your favorite story arc? Favorite story arc. Um... And this is kind of similar. Matt says, what's your favorite storylines from Am Amazing and Spec? So that's kind of the same question, but... Two for one here. Um, I mean the 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 uh, yeah. I mean the, the the we were just talking about the Straczynski run is pretty pretty fit. Like the first like run, I know that I mean like all that stuff with the spider totem and Ezekiel and I I love that stuff. And actually like the way that subsequent writers have kind of built on that to do Spider Verse and and Spider Geddon and Spider Hullabaloo and Spider whatever is going to be the next thing. <laughs> What's next I, month? Spider Hullabaloo, yeah. Spider Hullabaloo. I, they can have that one. That's a freebie. Uh, I, I really loved, as much as I loved Peter Parker, I really loved the 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 Spider-Verse and all the different sort of iterations of the character. Like, the sillier, the better. I love... Uh, that, that movie was great, wasn't it? Did you love the Spider-Verse? incredible. But I even love the comics. I think the comics are great, too. And I loved... Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the sillier characters, like Spider's Man... The, Peter Porter, you got to go there. I mean, Spider-Ham is great. Spider-Mam, where Aunt May becomes Spider-Man, is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I, it's like this, the, the wackier, the better to me. I, I love all that stuff. Nick Cage as Spider-Noir. <laughs> he was awesome in the movie. Yep. Yeah. Great movie. 
Uh, Matt says, who's your favorite writer besides your own work? My well, favorite well, I guess writers. We could, we could, comic writers? Sure, you can do that, or Spider-Man writer, or whatever. Um, Actually, another question, same question from SoFlo. Who's your favorite Spider-Man writer? So, again, two for one here. Yeah, I mean, the... Uh, you know, I as a kid, the one that really grabbed me was David Michelini at the, at, at the time, mm -hmm. and yeah. then, you know, I uh, a couple of years later, uh, the old, I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man hit me at just the right kind of age, mm -hmm. um, which was Bendis, of course, and I always thought he wrote, you know, because some people kind of write a great Spider-Man, some people write a great Peter Parker, mm -hmm. um, and he, I think he he wrote both really well. I think. Uh, Dan Slott wrote an amazing Peter Parker. Um, and I love, uh, you know, as I love the sort of kind of moral angle that, you know, there's always like a, you know, a very strong message in his mm -hmm. issues, uh, morality tales, fables. Um, I love, uh, you know, like as, I guess as hokey as that stuff can be, like it gets me every single time. I loved his very last issue of, of Amazing Spider-Man is at 801, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I was. I read that for the first time on a subway. I was crying on the subway like oh. a like a loser. <laughs> oh my gosh! This was before you know. It had nothing to do with writing this book. I was just reading it as a fan. I was, and, mm -hmm. and you'll see in the book. I uh, you know like the very my um, the conclusion that I you know because I wrote like an introduction and conclusion. Like the very last image is from that from the, mm -hmm. last, the last page of that issue. Um, I liked your conclusion. You talked about uh, this teenager could be anybody. It could be you. And you quote uh, Stan from ASM number nine. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, you know, like one of the very last boxes, you know, like every one yeah. of those Lee and Ditko issues, mm -hmm. always, they always seem to end with Peter Parker walking off into the distance by himself. Mm -hmm. um, and they all ended with, you know, like, come back next month for another. And, and that particular one said something like, yeah, you know, you know, Come back next month for more adventures of Spider-Man, the teenager who could be you. Exactly. That 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 humanizes that character for all those teens reading it. Yeah. Uh, heroing. Uh, 30-somethings, I guess. That, uh, he's talking about, we talked about your favorite writers. Uh, this Heroing wants to know about your favorite artists on Amazing. Um, oh, I mean, we've mentioned most of them already. I know. I'm, I mean, again, Mark Bagley was the guy who, when I was, 11 years old was the one that I was like, this looks really cool. Um, <laughs> and it was as much, you know, the, the, uh, um, the artwork as the stories in that case, but yeah, uh, Bagley for sure is way up there. Um, you know, a name we haven't talked about at all on this, uh, on this, uh, podcast, Todd McFarlane, you know, oh, like yeah. looking at back at his stuff, you know, a lot of the, you know, the fashion in his run is very nineties, MJ's got the nineties, eighties hair, yeah. The hair is huge, yeah. and um, the collars are are pretty big, and the the the, the people are pants are very high waisted in some cases. But like the 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 just the design, like the layout, like if you really want to see something really striking, just within a couple of issues, if you look at like the issue before he starts of Amazing Spider-Man and the issue after, and then mm -hmm. like two more issues after that, like just how dynamic. Um, yeah. the, the layout, the page layouts are from one to the other is really incredible. Just how much energy he brought to the book so quickly. Um, the like way 299, he, 299 are totally different books than 300. With right. The, 
appearance of Venom. The style right. is totally different. Yeah. And and you just look at like, you know, there's a before and after with Spider-Man with him. The way yeah. the webs were drawn, um, the way the they were used. Webbing. Yeah. Yeah, and the way they're used to like almost define panels on the page and mm -hmm. to control like your eye, the way the reader is reading the pages is really incredible. Like just like really working at like a super high level. So, uh, you know, uh, obviously he didn't stay on the book super long and then the adjectiveless Spider-Man, you know, that he was writing also, I, maybe the stories aren't quite as good as the artwork, but I think as an artist, you can't, you, you have to mention him because his exactly. his influence looms large to this day. I think sold two point five million copies of that Spider-Man number one. I mean, that's that's not to be scoffed. You, you mentioned McFarland. Did you try that? I've been trying to get McFarland on this show for years. Was he one that you weren't able to get for the book? Another one that I tried and tried and yeah, couldn't get couldn't uh, couldn't get hold of him. Emails, calls. I had different. You know, like I said, mentioned earlier, I had people in the industry who could you know get in touch with people and yeah. couldn't make I mean, it happen. Struck out too. Uh, Matt Bird says, Gwen or MJ, who do you like better? Uh, you know, I was never a huge uh, Gwen fan as a kid, maybe because she had, you know, sort of tragically been gone for so long by the time that I was reading. Plus so I was always really Ditko issues. She's, she's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's really, she's really messed up. And yeah, and I yeah, and I, and and so for me, it was always always more of an MJ guy. But I've loved, you know, like, you know, we have that we we showed that little sidebar of Spider Gwen, and I've sort of loved that version of the character. Uh, honestly, I think is a great kind of very inventive reinvention yeah. of uh, of that character. And you, and you mentioned in your sidebar here that that costume is beautiful. It's such a unique design. Oh, it's such a great yeah. costume. One of the all-time great costumes, I think. Uh, Spider Spider-Man or otherwise. Exactly. And um, yeah, the artwork in those in the her solo books has been really, you know, really beautiful and you know striking and unusual. And uh, yeah, it just makes perfect sense that like the way that they kind of turned her into you know uh, her own hero, I thought was mm -hmm. great. So. Yeah. Uh, long live Spider-Gwen. I think she's fantastic. Uh, Matt Bird, besides Spider-Man, who is your favorite Marvel character? Oh, besides Spider-Man. Hmm. You know, honestly, like a lot of my other favorite characters are like DC characters. I'm a huge Green Lantern fan, a huge Flash fan. Um, I mean, a lot of my favorite Marvel characters weren't Spider-Man are kind of in the, you know, the Spider-Man, like the villains. I love... Dr. Octopus, uh, Green Goblin, Chameleon. Yeah. Well, for some reason, I always thought Chameleon was like the cool. I love Chameleon. I feel like Chameleon's the, one of the characters that's uh, underutilized. Like just a fascinating. Like he could. I, I. You know. I know he's a villain, but I feel like there should there should have been a Chameleon comic book a long time ago. <laughs> just that. Just his superpower and his backstory makes him a very interesting uh, character that I've always wanted to read more about and. You know, he's gotten some storylines here or there. Maybe this is my love of that uh, that first storyline I read as a kid, where with the parents yeah. talking. Maybe it is. I don't know. But uh, it all for everybody has a form where they 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 start reading. Everybody's Stan always said that the, every issue is someone's first, and that was yours. That's right. That's yeah. right. But um, the, you know, I um, right now I'm loving the is it the Immortal Hulk? Is that the? Oh my gosh, that's such a good book. That book is really great, and um, Jason Aaron on, on Thor his oh, been, you know the War of the War of the Realms. I was just reading on Marvel Unlimited that just wrapped up. That's 
Have you read Jason Aaron's uh, Star Wars on Marvel Unlimited? That's really good. I started. Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't. How long did he? How long did he write it for? Because I think I read like fifty issues, maybe. Yeah, I didn't last until the end. I probably read about the first twenty-five or so. I think. Yeah. I I like Jason Aaron stuff. Um, he actually came to a local comic book convention. I interviewed him. Uh, where he was writing that Spider-Man Wolverine miniseries that came out. That was a really good one. So I wish he would write more Spider-Man. I think that's a logical next step for him. So Heroing says, what do you think of the MCU's version of Spider-Man? The cinematic I, universe. Yes, yes, sure. I, I, You know, I've liked all the Spider-Men, the movies themselves. Mm -hmm. I haven't always liked all the movies. I was not a big fan of the Amazing Spider-Man series, but I liked Andrew Garfield. Um, and Emma Stone, I, I mean, she was perfect. She was, well, that was, that was the best part. I mean, if you like yeah. Gwen Stacy, especially, I thought they were together. They had a great chemistry. They were really good together. I would say uh, she'd make a great Mary Jane. Just color her hair, her natural redheaded she color. Been, she's, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a talented actress. I don't think we're shocking anyone by saying that for right. sure. In terms of like the MCU, I, I've, I thought both of the, um, the, the, the movies they've made so far are great. I'm glad they're going to make another one. I think Tom Holland is a really good Spider-Man. I, I guess some people don't like that, you know, his, his the relationship with Tony you know, Stark. Iron Man and I, I personally that. hate it. What's that? You <laughs> hate person, it? I hate it. I, he's not a sidekick. Again, yeah. to me, yeah. it's like, you know, there's, there's no, uh, it's, I just, I enjoy seeing kind of different variations of the character. And I think in that case, what I've liked about it is, um, the that you know he's gotten to play a really kind of young immature spider-man um mm -hmm. you know toby mcguire was like 30 when he made the first spider-man movie right. and even though he's in high school he's barely you know he like he's out of high school before the midpoint of the movie right. and andrew garfield you know is probably about the same age and incredibly handsome does not look like a gangly awkward teenager so i've sort of enjoyed the the the, the the fact that, that this this Spider-Man really feels like a kid and yeah. you know even though he has all the powers and stuff the fact that they've made you know he doesn't have they, they don't really talk about Uncle Ben they I don't know, I hate that about, too <laughs> see to me what I like about it is it's almost I I feel like especially after the last one it's like we're watching him learn with great like I I honestly don't know if Uncle Ben. I guess they've said he did have an Uncle Ben because they've shown a couple of like very vague teases of it. Like he had his his suitcase or whatever. Yeah, but that's one of my biggest points too. At the end of the movie of Far From Home, he doesn't care that he lost Uncle Ben's suitcase. She May comes to pick him up, says, Didn't you have luggage? Oh, whatever. I, right. But what's, I mean, that's fair, I guess. But I, um, that. <laughs> I sort of like that um he's kind of learning on the job. And I wonder if if his Uncle Ben wasn't such a great guy. And if, like, by the That's end... That's going to make me hate MCU Spider-Man even worse. I, don't, even, I really don't mind that. I just think it's cool to see, like, I almost feel like we're watching him have a longer version of his origin on yeah. screen. And I wonder if at the end of the next movie or whatever MCU movie he pops up in next, like, if, if at some point he's going to kind of fully get there to the, with great power comes great responsibility shtick. I, I, I sort of like the journey that that character is on he doesn't feel fully formed to me which you know for a teenager i think feels very appropriate matt wants to know your favorite spider-man film 
What's your favorite of all of them? Let's see if we have the same one. I mean, I think I would probably vote for uh, Into the Spider-Verse, to be honest uh, with you. We don't. <laughs> Spider-Man you know? 2 is my favorite. With I mean, Spider-Man 2 is the other, you know, uh, really, really good one. Um, yeah, the Spider-Verse movie, I, um, I've watched it so many times now. And uh, every time I, like, just every time you watch it, you find little the little details they put in there. You know the uh, the dad bod Spider Man speaks to me in a very personal way, which I like. And I, but I also just you know I like I love uh, the way that they adapted Miles and all those other characters like Spider Spider Ham, Spider Man Noir, uh, even the the way the Kingpin is used in it. It's great. Okay, it's a really you know it's 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 and the animation just technically it's so incredible. The you know you the more you read about I have like the Art of Spider Verse book. And the more oh, you I need read to get about, that, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's great. The more you read about the sort of the techniques that they used, you know, like just blending of 2D and 3D and using these different like techniques and frame rates and to make, you know, like almost subliminally to 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 like uh use all the the stuff in animation that you can't do in live action, like specifically to kind of tell the story, I think is just incredible. Right. I would kind of hit on this, but uh, Shytown wants to know: Are you a fan of Mary Jane Watson? I I, I would say yeah, yes. absolutely. I have I saw that there is like a, a I don't know what the full title is, but that she has like her own no Amazing Mary Jane, Amazing yeah. Mary Jane. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. Yeah. I I saw that that exists. I'm very I, I I guess six from six months from now when it's on Marvel Unlimited, I'll yeah. look forward to reading it. I haven't read it yet, but really good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm no love. I love Mary Jane. Matt wants to know your favorite Spider-Man costume. Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, I I did specifically ask Alex Ross about the costume um, mm -hmm. from his run of covers because I always thought that was a cool costume. And then I loved, I thought in the Spider-Man game, the PS4 game, uh, I played, I, I you know, like you could get alternate costumes in the game which yeah. was one of the cool things about it i thought the costume that costume the alex ross costume was like the best costume in that game and i would that was like my favorite i would put that on and just swing around. Remember what, and that, are you talking about the one with dan slot that he redid or are you talking about the movie one for the Maguire oh, specifically one? the one that we, we showed the 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 one for it was you know amazing spider-man volume Here, four or five um, the Parker Industries. Uh, so that one's, uh, that one's your favorite. Yes, I mean, okay. I, I think my favorite is honestly just the classic, perfect, original yeah. costume. But in terms of the reinventions, I always thought this was a really cool costume. And I thought, like I was saying, like in the game, mm -hmm. it looked really cool um, in the game because you yeah. know like, you can see his like designs there. Like there's, it's got kind of like a metallic armory kind of sheen to it. Right which in the actual comic in the interior art didn't often come across. It looked more like a basic kind of spandex with like a glowy emblem on the chest. And in the game, it really looked like, you know, almost like, like Iron Man armor, um, but with Spider-Man and had, and it still had the, yeah, the glowy uh, chest. And, and, the, and the legs go up a little bit on the spider too. More, more. Yeah, classic, uh, I, I just thought that was a really cool kind of update. And I, you know, when I interviewed him, I mentioned that and he actually said, he was like, he agreed. Like it looked really good. <laughs> it maybe looked better. It maybe looked better in the game than 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 uh, in some of the artwork. He actually agreed with that. That's cool. Um, love that game. I, I, I'm looking forward uh, to the uh, sequel. 
which probably they're going to bundle it with the PS5. They're going to make me buy a PS5 just for that. Oh, I imagine. Right. I hadn't thought about it, but you're probably right. <laughs> and I will have to, I will have to buy one because I there's no way I won't play it because that game was. Segway. Did Michael ever? Did, did you ever have? Did Matt ever have a Spider-Man game on any system? What what? Uh... So many. I love Spider-Man games. You know, I I don't play a ton of video games anymore. I just don't have the time. But like I, whenever the a new Spider-Man game comes out, if it's notable in any way i tend to i tend to uh make the time right. I did well, do you remember what your first spider-man game was mine was the atari i did play i didn't i never had atari i'm a little younger i think but i did play my uncle's atari and play spider-man on it with the swinging up the building for sure green goblin at the top yep and the green goblin at the top i was i was very little so i was never i don't i was never very good at it but i did play that one i think the first one i had I don't think I ever had one for Nintendo, but I had several for Genesis. So there was the, like the yeah. one game for Genesis that was just Spider-Man, which was yep. good. There was a Kingpin one too, I think. He was the main bad guy of that one as well, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. The one that I loved was the Maximum Carnage game. Oh yeah, with the red cartridge? The red cartridge. Yeah. Which, because I was always a big fan of those kind of beat-em-up style games. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of the perfect combination of Spider-Man plus the, my favorite kind of genre of games. They had the other, they, it was sort of like there was a Spider-Man arcade game that was kind of like that. It was weird. Had it had like Namor and Hawkeye and Black Namor, Cat. Hawkeye and Mockingbird, I think. Or no, Black Cat. Black Cat, yeah. Black Cat, Black Cat. Yeah, it was I had four. a buddy of mine that had an arcade uh, where five bucks he can play all day. And uh, he went out of business and he had a Spider-Man arcade and he wanted 800 bucks. And I'm like, ah. Uh, the mortgage or the, the <laughs> and the sheer uh, the space devotion to that thing. I'm like, and, and plus it's got Namor and Hawkeye in it. I mean, oh, that was I love that game too. But yeah, it was a real quarter quarter eater. Because, yeah, I think just walking around, you would lose energy constantly just by walking around. Uh, what, Matt wants to know about your thoughts on Nick Spencer's stories, the current writer of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, well, I, like we've said, I'm a couple of months behind cause I'm reading, um, when things go up on the Marvel unlimited, but I've, uh, I've, I've enjoyed most of it. I think, I think it's really good. I like his Peter Parker a lot. Yeah. Um, I thought that was it, what was the Craven storyline called exactly? The, Oh, you got me. The, um, the, remember whatever it was called. I, I, I like he was inside the dome. And, yeah. He was uh, trapped in central park with, right. uh, with the villains, but, um, yeah. Yes, uh, I like that one a lot. Um, and I've uh, who's writing friendly neighborhood Spider Man? I'm blanking on who's whoever's uh, writing that. What are you? Am I old for two now? Uh, <laughs> whoever's yeah, writing that is it Tom Taylor? I yeah, there you go, Tom Taylor. Yeah. I think I, I love that book. I mean, again, I'm six that months one, behind, but um, I think that, that one just wrapped up at 14. It got canceled. So uh, I know. you just broke my heart because I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. The uh, I thought that book was tremendous. I wish that was like that's the first book that's come along since. Well, that and the Spider-Man life story were the two stories oh, you know, yeah. that have been going on right now that I've been reading. Where I'm like, I wish these could have been in my right. book that we could have figured out. You know, unfortunately, I finished writing it. You know, before they really were going. Uh, uh, Sophia says the storyline was called Hunted. Hunted. Okay. Hunted. Yep. I, I, that was pretty easy. I could. I don't know why I didn't remember that. He also wants to, uh, Matt wants to know your thoughts on Joe Quesada. Did you, uh, you reach out to him for an interview too, or? I did. Didn't get to talk yeah. to him. I tried. Um, yeah. I, you know, uh, I think 
uh, underrated Spider-Man artist. He hasn't done a ton of stories, but I really mm-hmm. like his, uh, you know, like he drew uh, One More Day, which of course is a very, you know, the writing aspect of it is very controversial, of course. But yeah. I think, um, you know, he's done some, and he's done some covers too. I think most of them didn't end up in the book, but I actually, they were on the short list. Right. I, I really liked a bunch of them, but I uh, underrated Spider-Man artist, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan wants to know about, uh, does the success of bringing Superman's marriage and even adding a kid show that bringing back the marriage can lead to greater storyline opportunities if they brought Peter back as married? Well, they've done, I mean, to me, it's like they've done, they did renew your vows. They, you know, like they, I think they sort of, you know, we, we exist in this space now where the fans are knowledgeable and smart enough that they understand that there can be these different versions. And so I think that's, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I renew your vows isn't going on anymore, but that was sort of like what that was. And it wouldn't shock me if they did more things like that, where you do get to, uh, see, uh, you know, alternate versions, spider, you know, different corners of the spider verse, so to speak, that yeah. might have things like that. Matt wants to know uh, favorite villain, spider villain. Who's your fave? Dr. Octopus, for sure. Nice. I nice. think, uh, I think it's gotta be, I mean, the clear to me, it's like the clear, uh, he's mm-hmm. the clear number one, I guess, you know, green goblins, the other one, everyone always mentions. I, 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 I always, pref- I prefer, Dr. Octopus. I think they've done some really fascinating things with him over the last couple of years too, where that, you know, that have been uh, very, very interesting for his character. Javi kind of asks things that we've already asked, but he says he's looking forward to buying the book and thanks for your time. Uh, I hope you like the book. Javi also wants to know your favorite Spider-Man figure. Was it Secret uh, Wars or Migo like mine? <laughs> I had, a, I did have a really big um, uh, Migo, the 12 inch Migo, which I actually oh, did wow. recently buy on eBay. That nice. was my, my recent eBay purchase because I found mine and um, it cool. was missing a hand oh. and the costume was shredded. And I was like, I can't, I can't display this. So I bought a, a I found, I, I, you know, I sort of found a relatively inexpensive one on eBay. Yeah. Um, and I have that displayed with um, a couple of different, I don't have a full, I don't have a shrine like you do back there anymore. <laughs> I used to, we were saying this off the air, but I, I have it uh, displayed with a couple of other little ones. I do have a secret wars Spider-Man. That was the other one that I had as a kid. I still have my original one. It's upstairs in my house right now. Yeah. Um, the one that I think is my favorite, to be honest with you, is um, the Spider-Man 2 movie Spider-Man. It's like very poseable. You can pose each individual oh. finger. Um, uh, that, 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 that figure, I I, you know exactly which one I'm talking about. I think I, they made it with magnet and non-magnet uh, yeah. versions. I have the non-magnet version. Are um, you talking about the giant one? No, I have the giant one too, actually. That one's almost too big. The the magnet one I've got on my fridge upstairs. I know what you're talking about. It's like the normal, you know, whatever they are, six, seven, eight inch uh, regular action figure size, like Marvel Legends size. But that one, you know, I, I, I don't really collect them anymore, but I have quite a few. And that was the one where when it when I bought it, I was like, I don't think there's going to be a better, I mean, maybe they have since then, but like when I got it, I was like, this is the greatest Spider-Man figure I've ever seen, and I don't know if they'll ever top it. I, for I that size, of, anyway. I got out of Marvel Legends once they st- started becoming 20 bucks a pop. Like, that's... Yeah, that's they're too, very they're uh, pricey. That, the, this was 2004, so I don't... I probably paid $10, maybe. Exactly. 
Uh, Shytown Spider-Man wants to know your favorite MJ story. Uh, well, it's definitely the one that we mentioned earlier, the one uh, by DeFalco and and Ron Friends, the one where we where you know it's like uh, just like an issue of them talking and and walking in Central Park, and uh, she reveals her sort of uh, backstory. Um, and that's a I love that issue. And then I also somebody pointed this out to me on another interview that I love issues where Spider-Man doesn't be Spider-Man and he just sits around talking. Here Here's yep. the one you were talking about, 259. Yes. Yep. Love that issue. And then the other one is yeah, I'll, I, I'll look for it right now. What, what's your other one? Ultimate uh, it's probably Ultimate Spider-Man eleven or twelve. It's the one where uh he tells Peter tells Mary Jane that he's Spider-Man. So I guess uh, maybe it's uh, number ten, maybe ten. It's the one with the big Oh, it's the big conversation in the bedroom that I'm Spider-Man. I, yes. I don't know my ultimates as good as I do my amazings. Maybe it's number nine. It's somewhere in that. It's the one with the big uh, close-up of the mask in his hand is, the, is what it is. Like That is certainly that issue. But there we go. Know. Like this this scene, I think, is what you're talking about. Yes, it's in that. That's part of that yeah. uh, that issue. I don't that's know. That's a good one. That, that one, like you said in your book, it doesn't have any... Spider-Man in it. It's just a conversation. It's just two people, TV. right? It's two people in a, in a in a room. Like the whole comic takes place in that one room. I'm oh, a sucker. 13, for, like, okay, thirteen. We got that. I was I was off by a few issues. I'm sorry. The cover of it. I'm so embarrassed. I couldn't. No, oh, dude, I didn't know it either. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. There you go. Right there. I love an issue where Spider-Man, Peter, and Mary Jane just sit around talking. Oh, <laughs> that's drama. Give me more of that. Ah. <laughs> I should have just looked in comments. Adam says it's Ultimate 13. There you yep. go. Adam was correct. Well, uh, let's go over again how they order the book. Uh, it Tell the various ways so we can promote it. So you guys um, look at the Yeah, I mean, it's it, the easiest way is Amazon. I know you said you had a link on your right on your uh, website mm -hmm. for it. Um, the name of the book is Marvel Spider-Man From Amazing to Spectacular. Um, right there. Just talk about those two uh, comics. I'm not entirely sure how that the the title was chosen by the publisher, but yeah, we talk about every you know comic from you know from 1962 pretty much until the end of last year. So um, mm -hmm. that's that's the cover, that's the title, and uh, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I haven't seen it to be honest with you in a lot of physical stores. But it is very easy to find online if you have a specific online retailer. And I have seen it in a few comic shops, and you can ask your comic shop to order it. Mm -hmm. It does have a previews uh, number. I should know what it was, but I don't. Yeah. But it is available through Diamond and previews. That's got to be the biggest thrill as an author. You go to a bookstore, and there's your work right on the shelf for people to buy. That Have you done that? Have you seen this on the shelves and just geeked out? Uh, yes, it does not yeah. suck when that happens. <laughs> it, it, it can happen more, to be honest with you. I've been to a few stores looking for it, and they don't have it, and then you're like, oh. boom. But when it is there, it is, uh, it's is—it's very exciting. And like I said, if you go to the crawl space right now, uh, there's a link to Amazon right there. So, Well, Matt, anything we didn't hit up that you wanted to talk about? I think that's uh, that pretty much covers it. Awesome. Any other spider work in your future that you're going to do? You're going to do a follow-up to this book, possibly? I'd love it. There, nothing's happening right now. I actually did a very little thing that I don't think has even been announced yet, but it is Spider-Man related, and it's totally done. I'm, it probably will come out at some point this year. Okay. Uh, but, Hit me uh, up. We'll promote it. That'd be awesome. Okay. Yes. It actually, I did more than one. I did Spider-Man and uh, something 
for another character. They're sort of both connected, but uh, very different than this. But um, yeah, I, I would love to do another book like this just about, because this is all just about the comics. So if somebody wants to make one about the movies and the games and the toys and the... Everything I would that would make a, that would I would be delighted. I I would, uh, I would here we can talk about lunch boxes, the book and the interview. There you go, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but uh, yeah. I I have not exhausted the amount of things I could say about Spider-Man, which is very clear because we just talked for ninety minutes after exactly. writing a giant book. Well, YouTubers and Facebook, thank you for sticking with us. We've had uh, consistent uh, viewership and comments coming in. So this was a, a fun little interview. So I appreciate Matt for coming on. Thank you so much, man. My pleasure. Good talking to you. that's a wrap on that episode i hope you liked it uh one more time before we wrap it all up i want to remind you about uh patreon.com slash crawlspace log on there to get exclusive thank you content which uh, one of them is the spire satellites where we review all the books that aren't amazing on that episode that's a thank you to people that help support this podcast on our website each and every month through patreon there's also several other podcasts that are up there that are fun to listen to uh, that I think you'll get a kick out of. But again, it's patreon.com slash crawlspace for exclusive content and also support things you like, like this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>